welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers, and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Emma Van Duncan, the VP of Product and Tech at Multiverse, the company enabling more people to find work via alternative education and founded by Ewan Blair, Tony Blair's son. We explore Emma's mental models for finding work and how to simultaneously evaluate yourself and your working environment. Self-awareness goes a long way to finding your best work, but it is never an easy path. Our conversation sheds light on both the huge benefits it can give us and the depths it can take us to in moments in our life. Emma is that rare breed of creative thinker and practical operator and is someone I've taken a lot from. What do you prioritise when you decide where to work, your intrinsic motivation or your external motivation? More recently, I've really tried to prioritise that intrinsic. Like, does it feel good or does it not? And I think that was a big learning for me because I, I think I'm quite motivated by what other people think and how other people perceive me. And I think there's been a discovery phase in terms of like trying to determine what's best for me and what I actually care about, not about what like someone else is going to be like, oh, wow, that looks amazing or, oh, that's such a cool job. And I think that's that's really hard. What is intrinsic motivation to you? I have a list of things that I think are important to me. So um, and the way that I determine those are it's about feeling. It's about whether they feel good or whether they feel bad. And I think now I've been in enough situations where I've learned that about myself in being in these different situations. So I know that I want to work for a company that is purpose-driven because it makes me feel good. Um, to be fair, most of the companies I've worked at have been certain set of purpose-driven. So it's almost like a that is the entry-level intrinsic motivation but I think there's other ones around I need to find a place where I have autonomy and actually autonomy is super important to me and that's something that is very intrinsically motivating for me but I've I've always kind of known that because I've been given quite a lot of autonomy but there have been instances where I haven't had that autonomy and I have felt so anxious to my core it's been incredibly telling for me how important that is as a uh, a kind of need desire everything else from where i'm working it sounds like you've had both experiences you've made decisions based off how other people might perceive that decision and you've made them for your own your own motivation how has that changed since the very beginning and 
have you gone through phases where you've made decisions that were more based off your intrinsic motivation and more off your external motivation or has it, has it switched? In my fourth year of university, I was doing, so I was doing a chemistry degree um, and I knew I didn't want to go into chemistry, partly because it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like the right step. I wanted something more social. Um, and I remember having partaken in the, the milk round which is, you know, where you get to be wined and dined by the bankers and the consultants and the everything else. I remember thinking, oh, I should, I should be a banker. My dad was a banker and my brother was a banker. And so I kind of explored that path a little bit because I thought oh, maybe that's what is expected of me or, you know, where I should end up. And I mean, thank God I didn't get a job in banking, <laughs> um, which is maybe telling in itself. But I think it would have destroyed me. Like, I really think it would have been awful um, for me. And instead, what I did is uh, I got a job, like, summer away in Hong Kong. And I was speaking to a family friend who worked for EF Education. And she said, look, this is a great company. Uh, you know, we are internationally, we're an international language school company. And, you know, we care about people's um, kind of cultural exploration as well as their education. And you could do some really cool stuff here. And I thought, eh, I've never really heard of them. And, you know, is this really something that, you know, people will, like, look at me and be like, oh, that's a cool job. But I, I applied anyway and I interviewed and they were really great. I got a job as a, as a project manager, as like a, in, in web at the time. And it was, I'm just so happy that happened. Like, it kind of happened... You know, it was one of those chance things that happened, but ultimately they sort of molded a job to me. And um, although it wasn't a company that like, ex you know, looked like everyone knew about and was like, oh, you do that. And, you know, it was a very, a job that people could talk about that everyone could understand. It wasn't any of those things, which did frustrate me a little bit with the extrinsic motivation side of it. It ended up being so good for me and kind of started me off on this amazing career in tech uh, that I'm, you know, so grateful for and did, you know, did really well in. So I think that that for me is a really good example of the the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. You went from EF in that circumstance when you've been there for, what, five years, years or so yeah. to funding circle. Yeah. That can't have been the most straightforward move, going from education to funding yep. and loans. Why, why did you make that call? That was a really tough time for me. So I basically uh, got to a point at EF where I was I had, a, I had a multifaceted job. So I was doing product management and working with designers and engineers but I wasn't titled a product manager and I was sort of running a creative studio as well and there's a bunch of different things where and what I was frustrated by was actually the lack of understanding of what my work what the outcome of my work was and there was a product person in the org um, Chad Jennings who you know sort of became my mentor at the time and he sort of he, he made me understand that what I really wanted was to double down on this product avenue 
and um, because it was all about ownership and, you know, you got to drive things forwards and it really sort of spoke to a lot of things that I, I felt like I was good at and that I was doing anyway and everything else. But I think the hard thing at the time was that I didn't necessarily have the right title to apply for jobs in that space. And so I had this, you know, four month journey to try and find the right role. But I remember finding out about Funding Circle and a recruiter put it on my lap and I was like, hmm, business loans, like, is that really me? Finance? Don't think I, you know, not sure about that. But I went banking. <laughs> exactly, banking, exactly, banking. I was like, what? Mm, no. Um, but then I interviewed there and, you know, I had an interview with uh, my boss to be like my CEO, the CTO, like, you know, because it was quite early stage and you still got to have that kind of exposure to people. And there was the head of strategy who happened to play lacrosse with me at school. Um, but I was just amazed by the people and the energy and the like, you know, what they were trying to build and the excitement of it. And I'd kind of had this epiphany just before going into it that I really wanted to work for a smaller organization and a startup would be really cool. So again, all these things collided and, you know, when they offered me the job, I was so excited by it because it was just that energy that I could tell from the interview process that I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and it was. It was like an incredible ride, a four-year ride. Um, and I am, you know, again, so grateful for that experience. And so grateful that I, like, I, you know, it took four months, it was painful, but I trusted my gut when that offer letter came in and I knew that it was the right thing. And, you know, my mother was like, why are you moving? You're moving from education. Like, this is the worst idea ever. So thinking about those extrinsic, you know, pulls, I guess, there was probably a bit of doubt of like, oh, is this the right thing? Sounds like you made this decision in a way that, it's almost, it sounds a little counterintuitive from the outside, but probably made a whole load of sense to you at the time. It, 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 it looks like in some ways you move from education to finance for an external reason because banking. Yeah. But it in fact sounds like you made that decision because you wanted to work. You were proactive in trying to work for a company that was smaller. And was that, was that a, when you were deciding that well, there must have been other things on the table too like i want to work for a company that's smaller or i want to you might it might have been a smaller company that's to do with a different mission other than finance or how did you decide that it was i want to work for a small technology company why was that the thing that you wanted to do at that stage it's a good question i remember going for a walk in the woods and it just dawning on me that ah oh, you know i think working for a small company, not like a super small startup where you can, you know, lose everything or lose your job in two days, but something sort of mid-small, which Funding mm. Circle was because I joined them at 80 people. It was a weird, I don't actually know where that epiphany came from, but it was just like, oh, it just feels so good because, you know, I could have more, I could have real autonomy. I could grow with the company. Like there were just a bunch of things that I can't even remember where that came from. But it, I remember the feeling of that epiphany and feeling how strong it was. And I think it was before Funding Circle really landed on my lap. But I think what 
the reality of the, the fact was probably I started off my search being fairly or, or a little bit more conscious of what type of company it was, like what industry. And I think I was even looking at agencies quite a lot, actually, to see because I was very much in the creative realm. And what Funding Circle was not was super creative and design oriented. And that was true, like true over the four years and was a bit of a like that was probably the only downside for me working there was the sort of lack of design. I think because probably it got to four, four months, I was broadening my search a bit more. And therefore it was just like, would I give Funding Circle a chance? You know, even if it wasn't necessarily ticking the boxes of industry that I wanted, was it something that I could be okay with? And it turns out, yeah. And, and to be honest, it was super mission driven. And I could tell that even more so from meeting the people. How did you put up with that? compromise for design such a long period of time oh. the good thing is is that I was working in probably the most design focused area in the business so on the borrower funnel it was the one that people cared about um, a lot and was also needed to have a degree of looking and feeling good and, and what I tried to do a lot towards sort of my middle stages of funding circle and towards the end was quantify by why you would spend money on UX and design. And unfortunately, I never really managed to convince people that it was like enough to, to spend a lot, a lot more money on than we were doing, um, which was frustrating. I think there were, I mean, don't get me wrong, like the last couple of years became more frustrating as you've, you've grown loads you know, there's a lot of inefficiencies and issues and everything else. And when I left, I was very happy to leave at that point. Um, but I think it was something that I continuously tried to change. And I felt like I was in the best position to to try and do that. But obviously didn't didn't make huge strides. But yeah, I'd, I'd say it was, was okay. Why did you take accountability for that scenario rather than do something different there are many people in that scenario who perhaps might have said well I'm doing the job that I want to do in the smaller technology company that I want to work for but I'm not achieving the creative outcome that I'm looking for and there are two options that you're presented with in that moment you either take accountability for it and you try and find in the circumstance that you're in the gaps or you you move and you do something different and I wonder why you you persevered. Per persevered because I think there was a lot of other things that were keeping me there so I think there are two ways that I'm so I am a creative person and I, I do have a sort of design sensibility that I really care about but I'm also a very results driven person and the thing that funding circle gave me that I was really lacking at EF was this idea of we've got results we're going for these goals and it's it's measurable and I think I was getting so much of that funding circle. It kind of, the other stuff didn't matter as much, you know, because I was like getting 30% increased conversion on the, on, the, on the website and, you know, increased conversion in the funnel by X. And like, and I was, I was just loving that, that buzz of feeling like, oh, I'm actually adding to the business value of this business. And it was the lexicon of the business was all about numbers. You know, it was all about data. Um, 
And because I'd just been so missing that beforehand, it was great to, to, to get that. That sounds so difficult, balancing creativity and results at the same time. How do you do that? Well, I think I have a little bit of it, a better idea of it now. Um, you know, at, at Multiverse, where I am now, I interestingly joined, had the same feelings when talking to people in the interview process here as I did at Funding Circle. Like, people are excited, we're on a mission, it's go, 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 it's very ambitious... And that really speaks to an in, intrinsic part of me. Um, but what's also really nice is that there is a a real desire and want to have a good-looking product. And what's frustrating almost is like we don't have that yet and we really need to get there because I haven't had the resource yet to, to be able to put time and energy into it. But the exciting thing is that the senior leadership are all like wanting that almost at the cost of like, well, what is that actually going to does that drive any value? Like, mm. you know, are we, so it's almost going a little bit the other way again. But mm. I think um, there's that constant, there is a bit of that constant tension because sometimes stuff that looks good, it's hard to actually understand the value of it. Since you finished at Funding Circle, you've done a, lot, a few different things and now obviously at Multiverse. What's driven your most recent decisions and, and what was what was driving your your call when you left Funding Circle? Leaving Funding Circle was a really hard decision for me to make but was probably a decision that took me about a year and a half to really get the balls to do. I felt less and less in control and less and less sort of autonomous, should we say, actually, towards the end of my time there. Um, and I was sort of in this middle management layer. I was a director of product, but you know there was still like a VP and a CPO above me. I felt a bit powerless in that middle position and at which point you know I really cared about the company and obviously the people and I'd built up a lot of a legacy there I guess that I was leaving behind but um it was my intention coming out of that because I, I kind of made this decision of like oh you know I can I can complain about all of this stuff or I could just leave and it got to a point in, in my mental health where I just I just needed to leave. Did you make the call too late? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I think it took me a long time to think through it. Um, arguably, you know, I, I'm a very determined person. I don't like to give up. So I think there was a lot of that at play. Where I was like, I can't give up on this. Like, I can still change this. And I think I realized, like, let it go. You, you, there's certain things you can't change here. Actually, it's better for you to leave. Um, was there a tipping point? Yeah, there was a tipping point when I was so stressed that the doctor essentially signed me off for two weeks, rallied myself and had to go like, no, I'm fine. So I didn't take the two weeks, but I think it was a reality check for me. Didn't take the two weeks. I, I didn't take the two weeks. <laughs> but that was a point where I was like, this is not good. I think in my exit interview, I remember saying... Um, that I was, the, the problem was that I was stressed and bored, um, which is the worst combination of things. I moved very quickly, I think because I was so determined to move. I hopped into an interview process where it was like all very swept up with emotions and kind of like seemed like a good fit and blah, blah, blah. And I was really excited about the company and the product and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, I can actually use the product and this is great and it's going to be so good and I'm going to be working directly for the CEO and blah, 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 blah. It's going to be awesome. And then I, you know, fell into my next role 
And I think the learning I have of that was I was very swept up in emotions and didn't actually do much fact checking on certain things and, you know, didn't take my time in it enough because I was so, so rushed. And I have lots of learnings from that next experience, even though it was, you know, under a year long. Like, I think it was very formative for me to rethink how I thought about my my career and the decisions I make and how I make them and everything else. It must be very difficult to make a decision when your intrinsic motivation is defined for you as how you feel, mm. but yet you made a bad call there because you had an emotion. Yeah. How do you tell the difference between... It was a difficult reckoning for me afterwards, right? Because I was like, I was so into this and so sure about it and it kind of makes you doubt your decision making process full stop and I think that's where I was for a few years just thinking like oh like these decisions I make they they can be really impactful am I making them right you know what can you do and I think it it really yeah in a way damaged me on that that front and I had to make a really tough decision joining multiverse because at that point it was about, I was only in my like job six months at the time that Ewan approached me. And I was like, nah, you know, I, it's way too soon to leave. I don't leave places quickly. Like, it's not what I do. But I was already feeling quite like, like I was feeling like there was things that weren't quite right. And clearly, I, you know, I took the interview because I was like, oh, what do I have to lose? And then I dropped out because I was like, no, I can't leave my team and then you and brought me back in. And then I had to make the decision at the point that I got the offer of whether I would leave or not. And I was leaving at a point that was like, you know, would be 10 months in. And there was so much that I was trying to change and so much that was going well, but also certain things that were not. And it was an agonizing decision to make. I now feel like I didn't, I haven't looked back. Like I honestly feel like it was a, a, a really great decision to make. <laughs> So that kind of gives me confidence again. <laughs> what was the mental model there that you adopted, developed? Hmm. So at that point, what I did was I had some conversations with my current boss and I had conversations with Ewan. And part of me was made the decision on how those conversations were going, like what they were like. And so I was quite honest with Ewan in the interview process and he was really considerate, he was coaching, he was just a really nice sounding board and I was like, look, I'm concerned about this and you know, I was able to be quite open with him and that felt really good. And then when I was having similar conversations with my, my ex-boss, um, they were really just quite unproductive um, and unhelpful. And, and I think that was part of the decision. I think the other one was really about where will I be in two years time? And what, where am I going to be happier being in two years time? And that was a very strong pull. So I remember talking to, you know, I'm, I'm very driven. So it was like, you know, at, at, at Octopus, it was, you had this scoring system and basically, you know, if you had, if you got an A1, you were like top of the class kind of thing. And I was really, you know, wanting that, really pushing for it. 
remember talking to the HR director and they were like, oh, you won't get that in your first year. Like nobody gets that. And I was thinking, why am I busting my balls? Like that's ridiculous. And then also thinking about, okay, you know, maybe I would get promoted in two years time kind of thing, but it was all very, wasn't a growing company. And therefore, you know, those opportunities, you almost have to wait for them rather than earn them. And that was deeply demotivating to me where comparing to multiverse, where it was like, yeah, we're going for gold, we're winning. It's amazing. And in two years time, we might IPO and like, you know, you'll win all the money and <laughs> have like all the, it's not, it's not really about money for me, but it's more like you will achieve something great in two years time and you'll learn so much along the way because you're going to scale this team and it's going to be really exciting. And that to me was just so much more inspiring to think think through for two years versus this like, no, we're going to try and clip your wings as much as we can. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was the big, the big push for me. What was that question that you asked yourself about the two years? What was it? Like what will it, yeah. What did you say? Was it, it was, where will I be in, where, yeah. Where, where will I be in two years time and what will I be happier with? Mm. It sounds like the, sometimes we think that what we need to do is think harder when actually we just need to ask ourselves better questions to get to the heart of what we're actually thinking. Yeah. And were there any other questions that you asked yourself at that time that helped you get to the heart of how you really felt about it? I think the, the one was around who would you rather be managed by? Um, I think there was another one on who would you rather be working with? And, you know, I was in, an, in, in a place where everyone was pretty, everyone was quite like annoyed and disillusioned and unhappy where it sounded like everyone I was talking to at Multiverse was inspired and inspiring. And it was like, who would I rather be working with was the big question. And it was like, I want to be in that environment versus this one. And what have you learned through your own experience that you now apply on the other side when you're showcasing what Multiverse are doing and you're interviewing people? Do you approach it any differently? So the way that I sell Multiverse to the people who are applying is very similar to sort of how I felt I was sold it and what, what motivated me to join. So I focus on the growth and the ambition I focus on the career opportunity. I focus on, um, you know, this this product trajectory almost that we're on um, and the impact that we could have. And so I do, I do frame it in the way that I probably see it myself. You know, in, invariably it's actually worked pretty well. I think people get quite inspired by it because... It, there are things that I mentioned that are, that are quite common to most people. And actually, if they're, they're not common to them, they won't be, they won't be right for the job, right? Mm. So alluding to things like, well, it's a very high-paced environment and, you know, there's a lot going on or, uh, you know, we're not, a, we're not really a tech company yet, but that's what we're aiming for. And it's, you know, you have to be part of the journey and want to make that impact and know that it's a really important impact to make things like that. I think kind of mm -hmm. 
hit it home for people that I'm not telling, I'm not selling a perfect picture, but I'm selling the right picture for what would motivate them to join. As you've shared your journey, it feels like there's this constant question that's come up between how, how do you know whether it's you that's the problem versus the environment that you're in? Do you think you found an answer to that and how you work through those problems? I think the the real answer to it is it's probably always a bit of both. Why I say that is because I, you know, I've done a lot of coaching in the last, been, been, been coached as well as, you know, working as coach, but been coached over the last three years. And I think that's been really helpful in me understanding that question a bit more. And I think, you know, six months into multiverse, I definitely had a real low. And I was thinking, oh God, this is really hard. And, you know, am I failing? And I think that's a strong, there is a trend of when things haven't, when I felt in a, not in a great place, it's often when I feel like I'm not doing, I'm not winning. You know, I was able to, have some really great coaching that kind of got me out of that and made me feel a lot more confident. And in feeling a lot more confident, things tend to go a bit better. And also you start to see the positives in things more and then you're happier. You know, so I guess the answer is I'm not fully sure. I I know the answer to your question because I do think a lot can be changed with your perspective. Um, but similarly, there are probably just times where you need to get out because your perspective has shifted so much or like there's no way you can go back to thinking that you're in the right place because some things are just so misaligned to your own values. I feel like we should organize another conversation for 10 years time to see if you've worked out the answer. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for breaking everything down with such clarity. Um, <laughs> no worries. Loved it. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't. I, I did ramble for sure. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.